Whoa, 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 whoa. Why y'all so happy? And you don't know. Charvette Mitchell is on the radio. It's time to get motivated, excited, and influenced. influenced. Why? It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, live from Richmond, Virginia. And now, here to motivate, excite, and influence you, Charvette, Charvette Mitchell. Well, hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, broadcasting from the capital city of Richmond, Virginia. But guess what? Heard all across the world wide web. Hello, dolls. Hello, gents. Thank you so much for checking us out here, stopping by. Yep, yep, yep. Hello to all those that are on the phone line. I'm waving virtually to my sister. She's hanging out in the in the uh, on the phone line, listening in. And hello to those that are coming in. Oh my goodness, from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all across the world wide web. Of course, all of our broadcast stations, um, we thank you so much for checking us out. And those that are my mobile app users, hey now, thank you for joining us today. All right, so we're going to be kicking the top of the hour out here. Listen. My guest is hanging out with me right now uh, in the virtual green room. I'm going to be bringing her up to the mic. We're really excited uh, to have all the way from the other side of the United States. I'm in the East Coast. She's on the West Coast. Uh, LaRussia Kane is joining us, known as Motivator of Change. Listen, she is living proof that you can overcome anything. She's the founder and CEO of You Are Not Alone. Um, which specializes in the area of grief, of loss, and divorce recovery coaching. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that uh, today. You're going to get to hear all about that. We've got some, uh, oh my goodness, some commercials are going to splash in. We've got some new music spotlights. I'm going. I'm listen. I got some music to let y'all hear. Uh, we got some new music spotlights, and then we may throw in another special, another special guest as well. All right. So let's go ahead and jump right in. As always, follow me on. Twitter, twitter.com slash Charvette. Hey, y'all that are there. And then on Facebook, facebook.com slash Charvette. Just simply hit the follow button and you'll be connected to all of the great things that I share over there. All right. So coming up to the mic right now, my first guest, LaRussia Kane. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Charvette. I am so excited to be with you and your beautiful audience on today. We are glad to uh, talk to you and feature you. And you know what? You tackle and uh, you help people with some tough topics. So uh, we're we're glad to get to spotlight that and showcase how you can be a resource for people. Oh, thank you so much. I look forward to sharing with the audience what I do. And um, hopefully we can help someone here today to go through their process. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, when you talk about um, loss or grief, what, um, what all is encompassed in that? What are, we, we typically know, of course, if someone has passed, that is certainly an area of grief uh, and loss. Are there other areas of grief and loss people should be conscious of? Yes, there are so many that you need to be aware of. Um, we don't look at home environment, losing a house as a loss, um, mm. losing our job as a loss, an abortion or miscarriage, divorce, losing a pet, um, losing your car. All of these things, um, health conditions, are considered losses. And you go through the grieving process just like you would do if someone was to pass away. So a lot of times people just look at 
um, someone passing away or transitioning as a loss, but there are so many losses and they can cause you to experience complicated grief if you do not go through your grieving process. Go through, go through. Thank you for that. I wanted to highlight and, and kind of shed the light on, on some of those areas that people may not may not think about. I remember uh several years back my um grandfather, my mother on my mother's side, her her father, um they'd lived in the home um since she was a baby. And I'm not gonna give her age away but she she's retired. And they had lived, okay. you know, in that home, siblings and all that. And um the area the house where where his house was, there was a college in um, the area in Georgia and they were buying up the street. They were buying up that whole area. So it was like, we're going to buy your house. Yeah, you're going to get some money for it. But it was a no-choice type situation. And I remember mm-hmm. my grandfather took it really, really, really hard. It, he took it really hard. Um, of course, they got another place and, you know, all of that. But it, it was so such a loss, like this house I've built, you know, and my family has grown up in. And so I'm I'm glad that you brought that up there. That made me made me think about that. And so, tell us a little bit about your background and and kind of what journey you took that brought you to the place of saying I want to help people with loss and grief and recovery. Well, uh, well, my grandparents had a beautiful opportunity to raise me from birth. Uh, my parents were, my mother was 14, my father was 18, my father went to the military, and my mother, for some reason, was unable to take care of me, so I had to move with my grandparents, and, and at the age of four years old, um, I was molested by my neighbor, which I thought was my uncle, who lived across the street, and at the age of 13 years old, I called myself dating a young man, you know, you're just talking and getting to know each other a little better. Yeah. And my mother um, left me at home with him because um, my grandfather passed away. I'm so sorry. I, when I was 11 and we lost our home. So I understand what you're saying. And I had to go live with people I didn't know, my mother, my stepfather and my sister. So I lost my home. I lost my grandfather. And now I'm living with people I don't know. And I'm in this situation where I met a young man and we're talking and she leaves me home and we were there for some time together and I fell asleep to being, and I woke up and he was raping. And from the rape, I ended up getting pregnant and having my baby at 14 years old. As you know, years went by, I became pregnant. Um, I have a daughter. She lived two and a half hours, and she passed away. Then I had a son, and when I went into labor to have him, I found out I had cancer, and he was getting the infection, and he died. Mm. So I had, from just going through that, I didn't know how to process it, so my life kind of spiraled out of control. I ended up in a domestic violence situation. I ended up getting married. And we ended up being in church and ministering and doing that whole thing, and he cheated. So I ended up divorced all before the age of 33 years old. And I had to realize that I had so many losses that I didn't know how to deal with, even the grief. Yeah. And I had to sit down one day and say, okay, how do I deal with this? What do I do? Where do I start? And the first place I had to start was just accepting that it happened. That's all. Just 
it happened. I can't change it. I can't fix it. I can't rewrite it. I just had to accept it. And then from accepting it, I had to stop blaming. And I had to stop blaming all the people that had hurt me, left me, rejected me, abandoned me, abused me. You know, all of that. I even had to stop blaming myself and saying, maybe if I'd known better, I wouldn't have done this and I wouldn't have done that. And I had to forgive all of that. Even myself, because that was the hardest person. You know, forgiving myself was, oh my God, that was the hardest thing to do. But in that process, I learned so much about myself. And that's why I ended up becoming a grief and loss coach and helping others to go through the process because I know what it was like to be alone and not have anyone to walk me through those processes or to even say to me that you're going to make it. So that was my driving force to get into that because I walked, yes, I had God and he walked me through it, but I didn't have a person, a human being to help me, assist me, lead and guide me in that. So I said I would not allow someone else to go through this. So in return, I wanted to help someone go through their transition, their transition and bring them to a place of recovery. So that's why I do what I do. My goodness. So first of all, thank you for being uh, so transparent to share with our listening audience um, your life and um, what what you experienced and certainly um, you know, loss after loss. Um, no wonder your bio says you're living proof that you can overcome anything um, with all of those, you know, kind of losses compiled. Do you think there was um, any one or two things that really helped you to be able to have the capacity to even manage this, to mentally, like, understand what's going on? Of one or two things. Uh, well, when my daughter died, that was the, I kept saying, what do I do now? What do I do now? And I knew I needed to do something for her. So I had to go within myself and just learn how to love myself. So that was the, one of the things that really helped me was identifying that I didn't even know myself because I had lost myself with all of those losses. And two was journaling. I started journaling and journaling and journaling. And then the third thing I did was I stopped being a victim and sitting silently and allowing life to happen and open my mouth and share. And once I started doing that, that's when my life really began to change. So those were the things that really helped me to get through that process and to be able to help others. And to help others. Awesome, uh, awesome, awesome there. And if you're just tuning in, hello, you're uh, listening to the Charvette Mitchell radio show, broadcasting from the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, but heard all across the world wide web. And we are here in our uh, segment featuring LaRussia Kane, uh, known as Motivator of Change and also founder and CEO of You Are Not Alone, um, a CPC in the area of grief, loss, and divorce recovery coaching. So thank you for those that are just coming on the phone lines. We see you and those that are that are tuning in now from Facebook, we see you as well. All right. And so, uh, LaRusha, how did you decide to start um, You Are Not Alone? Because it's one thing for you to go through, and like you said, you, you, you were able to, to go through and you said, okay, I want to help other people. How did, you, how did you then decide, okay, I need to create something, I need an organization to be able to do this? You know, after so many people kept coming to me, talking to me about it, 
you know, how do I do this and how do I get over this? And, you know, I was sitting at home and I had been journaling, as I said, and that word just kept coming um, out of me every time I would write or talk and share with people that you're not alone even when I would have events. And so um, I was sharing with my husband. I just, I felt like I was limited, even though we do pastor at church. I just felt limited. I knew that there were mm-hmm. uh, more people that needed help. And so I sat down with my husband, and we just passed it out, and he said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't just want to help just church people. I want to help all people that are hurting and wounded, bleeding, that feel like they can't make it, just feel like they're stuck in a process and don't know how to, you know, go forward. That's how I did it. I just sat down one night, and I was like, let's do this. And my husband and I, we, we started putting the plan together in action I called my sons. I said, this is what we're going to do. They jumped on board. And from that, we started the You're Not Alone. You know, it's more than a business. It's a movement for me. And um, it has taken on a life, you know, being on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And the people are sharing their stories. And they're talking about all their many losses and their grief and their divorce. And I'm able to help them not just as um, being their coach one-on-one, but also in the social media community. Wonderful, wonderful. And that is needed. And so um, so glad you brought up your husband. want to give a shout-out to Pastor Randall Kane. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And certainly your, um, your church family where you all serve together and Pastor House of Refuge in Lemon Grove, California. Yes. Hello, House of Refuge. If uh, any of you are listening, hello, hello, hello. All right. And so um, you also have a a foundation. Tell us a little bit about the special foundation you have. The special foundation is in my daughter's name, Aisha Zay's Foundation. It is geared towards helping parents, families that have lost children to cover, help cover the cost of burial or cremation or even to provide clothing for those for the babies that have passed on or any other special needs that they may have as well. So that's what we do with Aisha Day's Foundation. As I said before, we just want to be a help to families because I know what it was like to be alone when my daughter passed. I want to make sure that I can help walk someone else through their process. So that's what we do at Aisha Day's Foundation. And if someone wants to find out more about that or even donate or support, how can they do that? You can go to, we're on Facebook um, on under Aisha Base Foundation. We're on um, Instagram and Twitter. But you can also go to www.ashavaysfoundation.org. Her, her name is spelled I-S-H-A-V-A-Y, I-S-H-A-V-A-Y, foundation.org. All right. There you have it. And then also the Facebook community um, that you have available, again, for anyone that has experienced um, loss, any type of grief and divorce um, recovery, how can they um, get into your Facebook group, which is free and, and all of that? Yes, our Facebook group name is uh, Grief Recovery Support. Grief Recovery Support, it is, uh, as you said, it is a group, it's a free group, and we have, I think it's over 600 people that have recently joined, so it's really good to have that platform and have that community of people that are willing to share their stories, and the one thing about um, what we do, there's no judgment, there's no condemnation. 
there's no blaming, no, oh, you're not over it yet. No, we're just there to love you and to support you in your process. All right, love and support, love and support in the process. And so let's give some some tips and some recommendations and even maybe resources for some that are listening. So um, let's start with the uh, person that has experienced um, some type of loss, um, and, uh, and I'm going to deal with a divorce separately, but just someone that may be grieving a loss, um, what would you say should be some of the things that they should do as they go through this kind of cycle, the grief cycle, what are some recommendations you would say for that person? One is find someone to talk to, whether it's a coach, a counselor, therapist, pastor, get a support group or join a support group because you cannot, I recommend that you don't do it by yourself. Also, Start journaling. There's a thing called grief journaling, and it's um, grief therapy, too. And as you write, you can write about your experiences. You can write a a grief letter to the person that has passed away. Um, You can share all your thoughts and feelings because there are some things that come up as time goes on, and it's called secondary losses. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, it was when my daughter uh, would have been graduating school. I went, I started grieving again. Those are secondary losses. So you don't just grieve the initial loss, but you grieve secondary losses. So those are things you can write about. Also, you can start a scrapbook or a shadow box or some type of foundation, something in their name, just something to remember them. Um, I, I always tell people, have some type of memorial because as you're transitioning through the grieving process, a lot of times people get stuck because if they move on to recovery, they think that they'll forget that person. So one of the things is when you create that shadow box, you're remembering them, but you're remembering them in a healthy way. Also, don't alienate your family, your friends, your spouse, because it's easy to do so because you feel like you're the only one that's in that pain and in that hurt no one understands. People are willing to help. They're willing to connect with you, but they don't know what you need. So you have to be willing to share what you need, but also for those that have not experienced a loss, but you know someone that has. They may not be able to articulate how they feel because they may be feeling hurt, mad, sad, Um, overwhelmed all at the same time. So be patient with them. Understand that they're not being forgetful or mean or or just um, don't care anymore. No, they don't know how to sometimes share how they're feeling. So just be patient. Cook a meal. Bring a dish. Pay a bill. Do something to show them. And what I mean by that is if your husband passed and the wife doesn't work, then she has to figure out how to pay bills. She has to figure out mm. how to buy clothes and things of that nature for the child because sometimes after the funeral is over, people disappear. That's when we need you the most, after the funeral. So show up yeah. with a dish. Show up with some, you know, some shoes or something. Those will be helps um, to help that person to continue their process without the stress of trying to figure out how to take care of their day-to-day life. 
So those are some steps that they can use. Wow. And what great details. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. Uh, listeners, again, if you just tuned in, this is the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, uh, broadcasting from the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, but heard all across the world wide web. We're here with LaRusha Kane, CEO and founder. Uh, CEO and founder of You Are Not Alone, uh, specializing in loss and grief and divorce recovery coaching. And we discussed in the beginning uh, how loss can be a, a car, can be a job, can be a house, can be uh, a lot more things that, than other than um, perhaps the passing of a person. So certainly a lot of different grief and loss there. So divorce, divorce recovery, um, do you treat that, since that's kind of called out separately, um, do you treat that differently or is it just distinctly distinctly different how you handle the divorce recovery piece? We handle it a little differently because we identify the loss. We understand what it is. But what do you do afterwards? And a lot of people there, they don't know. So um, we deal with the self-esteem. We deal with um, the children. So they may come in just as a one-on-one situation, but now the family's in chaos, and we need to map out a plan, of, a plan of action. So now we have to bring the children in and talk about all the losses because sometimes the silent grievers are the children. And as we are helping mom and dad to get better, we want to make sure that we help them too. So we, we identify the laws. We do a plan of action. Uh, we direct them to other resources and tools that they may need as well. So there's a lot of things that we do. So that's why I kind of um, deal with that a little bit differently than just the generalized grief and loss because it really encompasses um, the self-esteem, self-worth, of a person as well because when you go through something so um, traumatizing and you're grieving the hopes and dreams and all the promises that you made, a lot of times you start questioning yourself. So we have to um, sometimes tear down to build up again. It's a rebuilding process. So that's why we do it a little differently. All right. And if someone is looking for information or coaching, even uh, in the divorce recovery area, how can they get in contact with you? If you go, you can email me at coachlarusha at gmail.com, coachlarusha at gmail.com, or you can visit my website at larushakane.com, larushakane.com. All right, there you have it. And, of course, if you're following me on Twitter, I have tagged uh, LaRussia on Twitter. Also, Facebook, uh, I have tagged on Facebook as well. And um, you'll also be able to go to um, the coaching and consulting page on Facebook. Do you want to tell them a little bit about what, um, you know, what you share on the open um, coaching and, and consulting page? We have the Facebook group, um, but then there's also the um, coaching and consulting page. Well, basically, I welcome them for, to come and join us. But we also say that you are not alone, that we provide grief, loss, and recovery coaching and consultation. And we act, we go through the different steps. Um, why do you need, why you may need a coach to help teach clients how to grieve, to help clients process negative thoughts, 
and be released from the grief to help clients gain awareness of unhealthy ways of coping and learning new ways to cope to equip clients with other resources of support to hold clients accountable and encourage them and as we walk through the seven stages of the grief and recovery process that's what's on my page all right, that's what you will find. Uh, there are the seven uh, stages. And so certainly uh, you can hear from um, LaRusha's experiences that this is the voice of experience, not just uh, clinical, something she learned clinically, but has lived and walked through uh, and been able to, to share uh, and been able to help people as well um, get through. So I can't leave out... Um, I don't want to leave out that um, you also are an ambassador for the WNBA Los Angeles Sparks hashtag We Are campaign. Tell us a little bit about the hashtag We Are campaign. The We Are campaign is a campaign that we do every year. First of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to shout that out. A campaign that we do every year with women that are entrepreneurs. We come together and we network, but we do things in the community. And at one of the biggest games, um, the very first one we had was 8-30-15. We wanted to break the record of 22,000 fans in attendee. So all the ambassadors, we went into our community, we tapped into our resources, we called our friends, and we exceeded that. And because of that, we also just started a We Are campaign for um, young girls that are in the community that are changing lives as well. So the We Are campaign is about being, um, you talk about We Are Strong and that we are powerful and that we are women and we are on the move to change our community. That's what we're about. All right. That sounds amazing. If people want to connect with that, how do they, uh, you know, find out more about that? You can go, you can visit the Los Angeles Sparks webpage, but they are also on Twitter. They are also on Instagram and Facebook. It is the Los Angeles Sparks dot com Los Angeles Sparks dot com. All right, there you have it. The last question I have for you uh, before we transition to our next segment uh, that is going to free- feature Richmond's own Greg Smith, Executive Director of Agile Writers. Uh, my question for you, LaRussia, the goal of my show is to motivate, excite, and influence, and we want to know what continues to motivate you. What the, oh, goodness, that is a lot. <laughs> I'll yeah, one thing. A I promise question. you. I'll pick <laughs> one thing. What motivates me? My grandchildren. I have four granddaughters and three grandsons. As I said, I, uh, I, I have three sons. I have no, my daughter's past. So every time I see them, and I see them growing, and I see them changing and developing, and I have one, she's 10, so she's in the community, she's speaking, she's helping other people not to be bullied. Um, she is an ambassador herself, so she's about changing lives. So every time I see her help someone else, every time I see her empower someone else, every time I see her inspire someone else, it inspires me and encourages me to keep doing what I'm doing because I see that it is helping her to be the woman that she is developing into. So 
that's my inspiration. Wow. And if it's all for her, it mission accomplished. If it was nothing yes. else, if all of this was for her, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. All right. Before you go, one more time, uh, give all of our listeners your contact information and how they can connect with you. We have a shout-out from Facebook to you, author Latanya Boyd. She was like, great work that you're doing. Congratulations on an awesome job. Again, that's author Latanya Boyd. Shout-out from Facebook. Thank you. Thank you, Latanya. <laughs> Well, my information is, again, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under LaRussia King Coaching and Consulting, so I'm, I'm there for that. But also, you can reach me at CoachLaRussia at gmail.com, CoachLaRussia at gmail.com, or you can visit my website at LaRussiaKing.com. All right. Thank you, LaRussia, so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have an awesome, awesome day. All right. Thank you. All right, listeners, we're going to take a very quick commercial break, and then we're going to be back with our second segment. My guest is hanging out in the virtual virtual green room, so I hope he's been enjoying some virtual snacks while he was in there. Greg Smith, uh, Executive Director of Agile Writers. Listen, Agile Writers uh, helps beginning writers create plan, write, publish, and market their first draft novels, memoirs, autobiographies, and screenplays. And he just hosted a phenomenal conference this uh, past Saturday. I was one of the speakers. And you know what is so amazing is that oftentimes I'll, I talk to conference hosts and, and et cetera before their event. But this is so cool. I'm talking to him after the event. Um, so we'll get to hear some of the highlights, hear what's coming up. And you know what? You stick around because if you have a conference coming up, maybe he can give some, give you some tips and some clues of how he um, so so brilliantly executed his conference. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to be back. Don't you move. It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Charvette will be back after this. Have you made a resolution this year to lose weight? Need a boost to help you stay on track? Then you can't miss Optimal Living Magazine. Intentionally Loving Myself Weight Loss Challenge at Fit, Fabulous, and Full of Faith in Woodbridge, Virginia on February 25th, 2017. Get your tickets at www.optimallivingmagazine.eventbrite.com. Fit, Fabulous, and Full of Faith will focus on weight loss from an emotional and spiritual perspective, image branding, and wealth building. Together, we will stay strong, stay the course, and be intentionally compassionate towards ourselves as you choose life through our food choices, thoughts, and so, mark your calendars, gather your girlfriends, and meet us at Woodbridge, Virginia on February 25th, 2017. Get your tickets now at www.optimallivingmagazine.eventbrite.com. See you there. Spiritual Food for Thought. 31 inspirational quotes to jumpstart your day by LaTanya Boyd consists of inspirational messages that offer daily words of empowerment, promote spiritual growth, and development in the Lord Jesus Christ for your day-to-day living. Spiritual Food for Thought. 31 inspirational quotes to jumpstart your day. Available now on Kindle, ebook, and paperback. Log on to www.latiboyd.com.
She's here to motivate, excite, and influence you. She's Charvette Mitchell. Charvette Mitchell. It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show with in-depth interviews from today's leading authors, gospel artists, stars that you want to know about. And now, Charvette Mitchell. All right. Welcome back again. Welcome back again to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. We're moving into our next segment here with Greg Smith, Executive Director of Agile Writers, uh, right here in Richmond, Virginia. Listen, we're going to get to hear all about um, how he has crafted this process and this method of novel writing and how he is helping, oh my goodness, authors and writers all across um, the city and probably beyond. Uh, And so I'm running to the green room now to bring Greg up to the mic. Um, to be live on the Charlotte Mitchell Radio Show. Hello, Greg Smith. Welcome to the show. You are live. There it is. I found the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. How are you doing today? <laughs> Things are great. Oh, man, what a great conference we had. It was just amazing. I have, we had so many uh, wonderful people show up and so many great speakers. Uh, just, just a great time. Yes. So on Saturday, uh, listeners, for those that are tuning in, I know we got people from California and all over tuning in. Um, Greg hosted this amazing uh, writers conference that had four simultaneous sessions going at one time and over 20 speakers. Now, how in the world did you keep your head, your sanity, trying to manage all those moving parts? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, a lot of it was like planning uh, ahead of time, just making sure that. Like we've been planning this for a year, and uh, yeah. but the thing that was really the key to everything working like clockwork, and it did, everything went like clockwork, was finding volunteers and then empowering them to make decisions on their own. I gave them, you know, my confidence, and I told them, you guys, you know what you're doing, uh, you you uh, you know what needs to be done, and uh, treat this room like this was your little conference room. You know, you're having your own mini conference in this one of the four rooms, and uh, it worked. You know, I've I found good people, and then I trusted them, and uh, they really, they really uh, came home for me. Wow. Well, it was uh, amazing, amazing. I know I had an amazing experience uh, being a facilitator and then just um, those that attended, um, the writers and the authors and those that attended were, um, you know, bubbling with questions and engaged. Um, so shout out to you. And so I hear in the wind, you're going to do it all over again for 2018. Is that right? Yeah, we're definitely making plans. We've already got the room reserved. Uh, we're we're fine tuning. We've learned a lot. Uh, there were things that uh, people definitely uh, came back to us and said, hey, do this again, but add food. We were hungry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> food always shows up on the wanted list. I'm telling you. And coffee. It's like, where's the coffee? So um, oh. yeah, we, we definitely <laughs> we definitely kept it simple this, this the first year round, just making sure that we had people who were great speakers, and then uh, also making sure we had a great location, and then having uh, great people who were going to the affair. And you know, when what, the one thing we left to the side, it's like, you know, we got a lot of moving parts this year. Let's not do food. So, but we, what we did do was we printed a map of the area with uh, the highlighted restaurants. And there were a ton of restaurants to choose from. So, you know, there, it wasn't like we left people without any lunch, but, you know, they uh, had a map so that they could go out and within five minutes of the, of, of the space find something to eat. 
Listen, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I hosted a conference, uh, a day long conference on uh, in December, and um, we left space. We get, we did breakfast, but we didn't do lunch. But we left space, so we we are actually going to be adding in lunch uh, next year as well, just because of the time. So it was more of a time constraint issue. Uh, so there you go. So there's some inside tips for those that are listening that are going to be doing some conferences and some things for you to think about. And shout out to the Holiday Inn um, Richmond Airport. Uh, I really liked the setup, how they had the that conference kind of um, kiosk. It was almost like your own little hotel area. You know that big yeah, we conference were very kiosk you all had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually, they were not the first place we we stopped. We went to a bunch of different hotels, and you know, for price for value, uh, we really got a a good value out of uh, the Holiday Inn at the, the Richmond Hotel, uh, the Richmond Holiday Inn at the uh, airport. Um, you know, they they had a nice big reception area desk in the in the lobby, and uh, there was plenty of room in the lobby for people to mingle. Uh, we had uh, book people who are the local booksellers selling uh, authors' books. We had uh, James River writers were there at a table uh, giving out uh, handouts to letting people know what James River writers do. Uh, Virginia Writers Club was there, as well as our own uh, Gene Anderson, who represented National Novel Writers Month. So, you know, it was not just, you know, 20 seminars of, you know, actionable material, but also, you know, great information about local writers club writers. So those, you know, those were the... Yeah, out in that lobby. So that worked out really well. And let me tell you, when you asked me what really you know made the conference work, we had fantastic speakers. Uh, over the last five or six years that I've been running Agile Writers, we've had these mini seminars that I call Beyond Agile Writers. And we had people coming in uh, who are local experts coming in talking about graphic arts and talk uh, craft of writing and getting published and formatting your book and you know, just about everything you can think of that comes after the book is done. Hence, writers. And those were the folks we reached out to when it came time to plan our conference. And man, did they turn out? I mean, every I, I asked, um, I had to ask 40 people, 20 people signed up, and I really expected like three or four to drop out. Nobody dropped out. Everybody showed up. Awesome. Simply amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. So there's uh, the recap there. And I, I mentioned, I took time, uh, listeners, to, to talk a little bit about it because those of you that follow me on Facebook know I did a five-part um, series on Facebook Live. So I'm just kind of wrap tying up, tying up the loose ends for you so you can see all of the connections there uh, for that. So, Greg, how did you get started with all of this? Like, how did Agile Writers even get birthed? Well, you know, I started in about 2001, actually. What happened was that my parents were having a 40th wedding anniversary, and I wanted to uh, put together a video for them. And it wasn't good enough for me to just, like, you know, get all the family to wave and say happy anniversary. So I uh-huh. wanted to do a documentary. And uh, <laughs> that's how I kind of approach everything. It's like, oh, let's start big, and, you know, we'll go down from there. So um, I, I read books on what makes a great documentary, and I watched a lot of great documentaries. And then I interviewed my parents on video, and I interviewed their siblings, and I interviewed their children and grandchildren, and I edited it all together. And it came out to about two hours telling their, the story of where they came from, how they met, and then how, you know, the, the 40 years they had together. And it was wonderful, and the family loved it. But when I showed it to people outside the family, they were bored. And I had to realize that, you know, telling a story is not just a matter of putting together a series of events 
there's a pattern to storytelling. And that's when I started to think about what is that pattern? How does a story work? And that was the genesis of what would become Agile Writers. Wow. And so have you found over the years that, uh, you know, people really need this kind of some, this structure versus kind of willy-nilly just out there <laughs> figuring it out on their own? Well, absolutely. Um, I started the Chesterfield Writers Club in about 2005, uh, and the Chesterfield Writers Club was a writers club where people of all types of writing would come, and it was like screenwriters and novelists and essayists and short story writers would all come, and we'd talk about uh, writing stories. But after we'd done that for about five years, we found that we hadn't actually produced anything, and our focus was really broad. So we weren't really helping anybody, like no, because nobody was uh, special. Everybody was or special, you know what I mean. And so we we kind of ran into a problem where um, we we weren't having critiques. We were talking about writing, but we weren't writing. So mm. I decided to focus on novel writing and try to figure out what makes a great novel. And that's when I discovered Joseph Campbell and his hero's uh, journey. And the hero monomyth. He wrote this book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And in it, he studies um, all these different cultures and all their mythology. And he found that they all have the same story patterns that no matter whether you're in China or the United States, uh, American Indian stories or uh, Europe, that the, the, the pattern is the same. Uh, it starts out with a hero, either male or female, uh, in their ordinary world when something happens and that causes. Uh, passes them into a special world where they have to learn the rules of the special world. They need to make friends and they make some enemies. They have to overcome some sort of crisis and learn a lesson. And then they take that lesson and they bring it back to the ordinary world. And that's like the basic structure of almost every story that you read in a novel and every story that you see in the movies. Wow. You just laid it out for us right there. It seems so simple. Well, and, you know, that wasn't enough. Uh, we, we started out, um, it turns out Campbell had 19 stages in his hero's journey. And um, we, we tried to break the story down. We spent, you know, the equal amount of time in each stage, and it wasn't working. We had all these troubles with uh, plotting and pacing. Turn to screenwriters. Uh, they have a special problem, and that is that they have 120 minutes to, much less than that, and, you know, they haven't got a complete story, much more than that, and people get bored. And so the, the other thing you find is that there's like a one-to-one -one relationship between the number of pages on the screenplay and the number of minutes of screen time. So like one page of screenplay is equal to about one minute of screen time. So you know you're going to have 120 minutes of story. Well, if you know that you're going to have 120 minutes of story and you know it's the hero in the ordinary world, then you know that it takes about 10 minutes to introduce the, the main character. And if you go much beyond that, people start to wonder what the story is about. And so they, they have these stations or turning points in the, in the screenplay where things happen. And then if you take the hero's journey and you lay it on top of this sort of like four-act structure, then you know where the hero's journey happens, a movie. Well, we just said, well, a novel is like twice the size of a screenplay, like 250 pages, so we'll just double everything. And that's how we approach it, and it's been working. We've we've produced over three dozen first drafts in the last five years. Um, eight or ten of our uh, writers have published their books, 
and we're just gr- growing like gangbusters. Wow. That is now that's amazing to go from a place of not really seeing anyone writing or executing to now being able to look back at finished works. That's that is amazing. And so for the writing process uh and marketing being a big part of that, do you feel that people maybe underestimate once they've done all of the writing and, and gone through the editing and, and, and all of that, do you feel that they underestimate the marketing that has to go into it? Well, yeah, it's a two-part problem. The first one is that you have to make a switch, like a mindset switch from going from this internal thing that you're doing, this this, this very singular, you know, uh, introverted writing thing that you're doing, right, where it's all in front of a piece of paper Mm -hmm. to this big extroverted thing where you've got to tell everybody about your work, and it's a huge shift. The other thing that happens is that people don't realize that the marketing doesn't begin when you've publish your book it begins while you write the book you have to create a groundswell of, of interest in your book well before the book is published because when you get to the pub you want to have what's called a launch party and sometimes it's uh, physical where you have like a room full of people and they come and they they enjoy cocktails and stuff but all more and more it's becoming virtual where you're letting the world know and that you know everybody can get your book the day that it's released and you a following or a platform of people before you get to that point. And so you yes. really, the day you start writing. All right, there you have it. You all know I had to I had to make sure I got that in uh, about the marketing piece because that is near and dear to uh, my heart. And, and actually that goes even um, beyond writing. Uh, any Any of the entrepreneurs that are listening in, I know you all are, um, that you can't wait, you can't, you can't wait until the product or whatever is out to say, oh, now I'm going to do this social media thing. Um, no, you've you waited. You, you're too late at that point. It's it's too. You're 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 too late. You can't. It's not that you can't catch up. It's just you're late. All right. So that's that. And then um, book covers. In your opinion, how important is the book cover to, uh, you know, the the work that someone puts together a novel when they put together a novel. Well, you know, the old saying is that you can't judge a book by its cover, but the fact is that most people do. And uh, right. every part of your book uh, that is visible is part of your marketing, and that includes the title, which must be easy to spell and easy to say. That includes the cover of your book, which must be easy to look at, not only on the bookshelf, like while past it, but also when it's like down to like the, the postage stamp size that you get on Amazon.com. You've got to be able to discern what that thing is at a glance otherwise people will just walk on uh, on past it on the internet um you know a, a, a good impression or needs to make a good impression the spine of your book you know because like a lot of times books are you know they're on a shelf thing out is the spine so you need a spine that looks good and then on the mm-hmm. back you know like people see the spine they're they're intrigued by the title they pull it out they look at the front cover they're intrigued by that the next thing they do is they look at the back it's like uh, you know what? What is this book about? And so you have to have like what I call the elevator pitch. It's like a 30-second description of your story on the back of your book that sells your story immediately. Because if those things don't resonate with people right away, they're not going to open the cover to read the first page. 
period, end of discussion. <laughs> Listeners, period <laughs> and end of discussion. They're not going to open it. And, and, and I think people miss this. They miss, as, a, as someone who has um, hosted over 300 shows uh, in the last nine years and probably 40% of the interviewees have either been authors or have a book, I've seen a lot of book covers. I have seen a lot of book covers, and I think people often miss it in this area that they don't they don't really get a really great book cover, um, and then when they get something that's mediocre, then they're wondering why kind of like it doesn't compare to other books because it looks mediocre. Um, and even those that have self-published and then moved to a publishing company, a publishing company picks them up, oftentimes they change the book cover. One of the first things they do is change the book cover. So anyway, so hope I you wanna, all are picking something. up what we're putting oh, down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I want to emphasize is the power of social media. And uh, this was really clear in the conference. We were selling tickets kind of like one or two a day. And then uh, I approached Charvette and I said, Charvette, I've got a week left to sell my tickets. Can you do something to help me? And she said, yes, I want to do this live. We're going to put five segments out, and we'll, we'll talk about Agile Writers. And we've doubled and quadrupled sales in the final days of, of the conference sale. And the reason Woo-hoo! is that we had that social media presence that really sold uh, our conference. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. And that Facebook Live, listeners, I'm telling you, especially authors that are listening, the quickest way to get in front of your audience is going to be that Facebook Live. Figure out a way to, to not just, you know, talk about buy my book, but share some information first that will pull them in. And then once you got them in, then, oh, by the way, you know, go ahead and let them know about the book. So thank you. Thank you, Greg. It was awesome working, um, you know, working with you on that and just being a part of the whole um, whole conference. It was uh, uh, awesome. So it's definitely something I know I'm going to be talking about uh, going forward in my social media and in other areas as well. So if someone's listening and saying, okay, I, I need to be a part of Agile Writers, when is the next meeting? How can I, how can I get on board? Uh, what's the contact information and all that? Well, the best way to get a hold of Agile Writers is to go to our website at agilewriters.com. And we have uh, all the information you need. If you're local, there's a, a link there's Richmond Clubs where it will tell you everything you need to know to get in touch with us and learn more. Uh, that's the first uh, most important thing. The, the other thing you can do if you have any sort of question about getting published, uh, which we help people do. We've published five of the books here. I've published uh, over a dozen titles through Agile Writer Press. I know all the ins and outs. I know how much money I know how much money you should not be spending. Just send me an email, mm. Greg at agilewriters.com. I can help you with that. Um, we, we also, we, because we're in touch with people like Charvette, we have all this information about marketing your book, and we can help you market your book as well. And one of the things we might do is just say, you need to talk to Charvette because she knows. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, and I, I love that you all have expanded, and so you all also have, you know, some things you all are able to you're able to offer in house as well, and so I really like that combination that you'll you'll bring people externally, but then in house you all are able to help um, novelists, authors, and all that. So if you're in Richmond, connect with Greg. Um, how can they connect on social media? The best way to get a hold of us is either on Twitter, where we're at Agile Writers, or you can find us on Facebook. And it's just Greg Smith, which is my 
uh, personal site. There's also Agile Writers, the um, business page. There's Agile Writer Method, which is a group of people who are using the method every day. And uh, those are all great ways to get a hold of us. All right. Well, Greg, I'm glad we were able to chat with you and just feature you after the conference. And we look forward to 2018. Charvet, thank you so much. You were wonderful. I know that you had a chance to talk to one of our speakers, Grace Robinson, who is also an accomplished uh, Agile writer. She was wonderful. And thank you so much for everything. I don't know if everybody knows this. Uh, um, Charvet has come to Agile Writers to talk about social media on several occasions, and she's always wonderful. She was amazed. People raved about her, and we just love Charvet. Oh, thank you. I love y'all right back. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, listeners, we are about to wrap up today. Um, But as promised, I did promise you one new release, um, and this is called Say It by Pure in Heart, uh, because I promised I'd give you a new release uh, uh, that I can let you hear. But uh, follow if there was any part of this that you missed. You know how we do. We just we record. This is a podcast, so you just jump over to charvet.com and say, oh, gosh, I need to go back and hear some more of what Greg said, and I missed part of the first one. No worries. You'll be able to go to charvet.com and hear the full podcast and share it with a friend and um, stay connected with us for all of the next shows that are coming up. Listen, um, February 14th is a Tuesday, which is Valentine's Day, and we will be live here on the Charvet Mitchell Radio Show with a special segment. I have six female entrepreneurs that are going to be with us in the house talking about relationship, dating, and entrepreneurship. Hmm, what does it mean to try to date and all of that? And you're a boss lady and you're an entrepreneur. We're gonna, it's going to be off the chain. I'm already telling you now. So let me let you hear this new single, Say It by Pure In Heart. Yeah. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know?